front, fisted away. In fact, he got it front centre bit round. That's where he was. Cast in the roll of a rover. First goal. their present, he's their future, and this might deliver him into a prelim final, Petraka! Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is brought to you by our fantastic sponsor and Hop Hand Brewing. My name is Tim, and I'm always joined here by a good mate, Simo, mate. How you doing? Big finals win on the weekend. We've booked the prelim. How are you feeling? How's the emotions running? Mixed them up. I, I don't know how to feel, to be honest. And like, I've been listening to all, you know, on SEN and stuff. And they're like, you know, demon supporters don't know how to react to this, especially, you know, new age D supporters. Um, because we're in foreign territory, mate. We've, <laughs> we've got to wait a week to play a game of footy. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. I mean, you know, mixed emotions. Like, it'll be great to see us, you know, continue to roll on. But I think even with a week off, um, I think Goody and the boys are just trying to take their mind away slightly from footy. Um, I've seen them playing golf and stuff and just enjoying each other's company. So, um, yeah, sh- should be a good time for them to continue to, to drive themselves and to be, you know, ready to go come game day. Um, That's it. And I saw that uh, grand final day has been uh, now put on for the 25th. So, yeah. The original date has been kept. Um, they're going to allow for a week off um, for quarantine um, for either whether it be any of the teams coming coming in because um, well Port have got a home final, so um, that's why that's why that's happened, which is really interesting. I um, I was hoping that would be on the 18th. That way, once school holiday, sorry, once school holiday started, we could uh, potentially could be in a grand final. It's yeah, it is an interesting point because I know that it's always been, I suppose, a topic of conversation with, with the pre-match by, so the pre-finals by that the teams that win the qualifying final end up playing what one match in almost four weeks or three and a half weeks, and we sort of thought maybe without that by then, even though that it was always going to be a card that they could always play, like now it's eventuated that we still might be in the same in the same boat with that regard, and you sort of would hate to kind of. Uh, hate to ruin any momentum that the T's are playing with. And as Maisie sort of said at the end of the game, he goes, I wish you were playing next week. Like, you can just tell that they're all hyped up about it. I think what you spoke about was really important about that they having a little bit of time away from the game and just sort of disengaging uh, their mind away from footy just for a little bit so that they can kind of save some of that mental energy and 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 really leave it to the to the big day. You, you speak about unfamiliar territory. Well, <laughs> it's 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 actually reasonably familiar given that the last time we played a prelim was was back over in Perth. But let's uh, we we know I think in our hearts we know that the results at least can't be you know replicated from 2018. We're a much different side, and and whilst three years later we're playing on the same ground and in the same circumstances where we're a much different side, which is what Goody sort of touched on in his conference. So exciting time. As you said, as fans, it's a little bit hard. I've probably been probably pretty calm about it, I think. And, you know, like it's as excited as I was on Saturday night. It's sort of, again, it's, you don't know how to react. And we're, uh, I think probably used all my emotions probably in on the previous week's win and no, yeah, uh, celebrated that a yeah, little that's bit. That's how I felt. I, I, I honestly <laughs> felt like I, I felt better after the Geelong win, but yeah, you know, I should, it should have been the other way around. Yeah. Um, I suppose when you kick off the siren, it sort of you know gets you up and about, and it was finals time. And I think we just got the job done. It was just we yeah, did one of those things where we just looked like the better side all night. All bar um, Cameron and Lockie Neal getting his junk forty six disposals. Yeah, yeah, that's you wouldn't it. have thought I, he had that many. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Comprehensive done and just ready, ready to stroll <laughs> in. Like it, it's a, it's a weird time. It's just weird. It is. It, it's like something I haven't yeah endured in my lifetime. So yeah, it's it, it does it does make you wonder. It makes you dare to dream and and. You really think that at the moment, right now, I think from all performances, we are looking like the best team in the competition, I think, at this stage. And that's not biased. I mean, it's not, it's just purely observational. I think that we, on our best footy, we can beat anyone. And Port Adelaide obviously stepped up and played really well on Friday night and, and probably shocked a few people in terms of how they dismantled the Cats. But I think 
Uh, they've obviously come into some good form at the right time of the year and they've been bad bit during, throughout this year about not being able to sort of beat anyone uh, above them and, and now they're kind of proving those doubters wrong. So it'll be yeah, interesting contest and an interesting week, couple of weeks of finals coming up, but very exciting nonetheless and really happy for our boys and I know that they're very proud of all the support that they've received um, from far and wide because obviously there's a lot of fans and supporters that can't get there to watch it, but I do know that the supporters that were there on on Saturday night at the Adelaide Oval, uh, yeah, absolutely. I got sent a few videos um, from people in the crowd to the pod page, and yeah, I loved it. And even reached out to Jack Trengove, and he he was there, and and yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the wins. So when we had a chat with him, he was sort of said, I think he was getting married at the end of this year, and he said to Maxie that the only one condition to coming to his wedding that he had to bring the Premiership Cup with him, and I just emailed Jack, and I just said, mate. I think, you know, we're two two wins away from that actually happening. So it's uh, looking pretty good. But let's uh, let's not wait around. Let's get straight into it. We've got to look at all the things about the game. But let's start off with the positives in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front. And I thought we did that all day. So we want to play our way. Just go after the boys. All right, mate. Lots of things to love about our game. It was a comprehensive dismantling of Brisbane, who are a good side, found themselves in the top four after a pretty exciting win the previous week, but we made them look pretty second-rate, I think. Uh, what was the first thing that you noticed about our game? Oh, I'd have to say the big performers, you know, our big three. Um, they've they've drawn comparisons to, to Dean Cox, Chris Judd and Ben Cousins. I know... You know, they had all the accolades to go with it, but there's no reason why those three um, can't be the same. Petrarca and Clary are a lot younger than Gorney, but, you know, they've got so much time to grow and our window's clearly open for them to, you know, reap the rewards and as a team reap the rewards. Yeah, I don't know. They just they just outworked. They just, they just look like they were on um, straight from the get-go. Once they're on, it's, it's hard for teams to... You know, get a hold, especially through the midfield, etc. I feel like we're much better around the contest. Um, early, we were a bit scratchy, but um, yeah, they really picked up their game throughout the game. And um, yeah, it was really solid outings by those three boys. Yeah, it definitely was. And again, they're just they're just looking like they we, we do base our, our game around them, and our and I suppose our form does is dictated by how those three perform. But they're just so consistent, and they don't individually they don't need to stand out, but just as a collective. Uh, when you've got, you know, Maxi, he worked his way into the game after the sort of a relatively quiet first quarter and then Clary was pretty elite the whole time. And uh, talking about his his kicking, I mean, he's just adding more and more weapons to his arsenal. He's, he's evolving before our eyes and we've seen him hit the scoreboard and we've talked about how dangerous he can be there. But, geez, his field kicking is, is becoming out of control. Like he, those couple of inside 50s where he had hit... Hit up Fritch and also hitting up Cos running into the goal square. I mean, just absolutely beautiful kicks that, you know, Clary obviously had his fair knocks about making sure that he, you know, is on track to be what the player with the most handballs of almost of all time. But now that his kicking is becoming um, a dangerous weapon, uh, it's just, yeah, he's becoming a, a much harder player to sort of match up on and, and Trax last quarter as well too was just yeah outstanding I think when we needed somebody to step up just because some of our missed opportunities kind of left the door open a little bit for for Brisbane in that third quarter uh, we obviously didn't score a goal and and sort of they managed to sort of creep their way back in to give themselves a bit of a sniff he just had a, a quarter for the ages and and with two last quarter goals that really and that beautiful set shot from from the boundary oh. I mean far out that's. It's uh yeah, it was a beautiful. Uh, that kick couldn't have gone straighter. It kind of had flashbacks to that one. He kicked it against Darwin. That one that he sealed was it in Darwin or Alice Springs? Was it last year maybe that he um yeah great set shot to seal the game. But yeah, and the pure emotion out of him after that too was was unreal. So now nah, the big three continuing to yeah propel us forward and. Um, love what they're doing there. Very very fortunate to have those three players there. Next one I want to talk about is. We've given this bloke a fair fair bit of rap the last few weeks, and, and rightfully so, and he's stepped up again uh, in a big way on the weekend, and that's Bailey Fritch, who is, once again, becoming... Well, not becoming. We, we know how dangerous he's been this season. He's our leading goal kicker, and, yeah, he just proved again... 
bob up and kick goals when we need them. That contested mark in the fourth quarter was absolutely unreal. And, and for somebody to be able to have damage in the air and at ground level as well too is uh, extremely special and is somebody that yeah, teams are going to have to put work into. And we've talked about before, like if they do that, then we've got Benny Brown, we've got T-Mac, who T-Mac had a pretty quiet game coming out of it, uh, scoreboard-wise at least anyway, in terms of getting getting his hands on the ball. But uh, Benny Brown, I thought, competed really well as well too. But Bailey Frisch, you know, kicking two in, in the second and two in the last quarter just really kind of summed it up for us. And again, I think he's, he's going to be an, another one of those key contributors for the finals. 100%. And to go with that, I think... The number 31, it runs pretty deep in my family as well. But, you know, imagine seeing Ron, Ron Barassi, seeing that run around. You know, he's just reached he's reached a half century for goals now this year as well. So 51 goals for him. And he's, he's been quite accurate during the year as well. Um, I tried to tried to sneak in when you were going on a rampage about track before. But that set, shorty kick, actually won me $130. So I was pretty happy with that one. Unreal. Um, yeah, I was trying to sneak in with there, but you uh, jumped to Bailey Fritch. But, um, yeah, $130 <laughs> Sorry, goal from uh, track. So that was very nice to to send the night off. To go with oh, Bailey Fritch, like we've got to look at our players that have stepped up. Like you look at players, like especially Alex Neil Bullen. I, I didn't I didn't realize he had 27 touches on the weekend. Um but just more so his year, um, defying you know all odds. He was probably on the outer. Um, I'm, I'm actually really surprised he didn't get traded. I'm, I'm so thankful that didn't happen because he's been outstanding this year. And you know other players like I, I, I spoke to you very highly about Sparrow. Um, and the bloke he had 21 touches coming in and first final hit it hit it with two hands, grabbed it with two hands, grabbed his opportunity. And Gus as well. I think Gus hits maybe six touches against uh, Geelong and he comes out and has 26 and plays a pivotal role. Like it's it's those players that are making us a really great side at the moment because um, you can have, your, you know, eight to ten players that, you know, are replaceable. But these blokes, having them run around is, you know, pretty handy for us as a footy club. It definitely is. And, and again, it sort of speaks to our youth that have, we had nine players that played in their first final and, and we talked about how talented and how extraordinary our young crop of players are but you look at players like rivers bowie jackson all playing you know such a pivotal role sparrow as you mentioned um and keeping players like nathan jones michael hibbard jake melksham out of the side it is and and they all did like <laughs> bar a couple of shaky moments from rivers and bowie i think early on um but Bowie really played into it and had a really nice last quarter there. We talked about, yeah, talked about Sparrow. I just think his intensity and work rate. And I think I saw on the socials that a couple of people compared him to Viney. And I think that's a pretty accurate comparison uh, in terms of what he sort of brings to our club. He's probably a little bit bigger than him uh, and can probably take a better contested grab. But his his ability to be able to hit the scoreboard as well too, which, which was awesome. Jackson had a couple of absolutely outstanding moments. I mean, not to mention that mark, <laughs> which oh, he almost hit the roof there. That was amazing. Like, you know, plenty of rising star um, comments there. But then also having back-to-back shots at goal, yes, he missed them, but just still to be, to be that threat. Mm. as well too not to and and cozy as well playing his first final was still very dangerous taking his chances i love what you said about a and b again just one of those absolute workhorses that has given everything to this club and for somebody that yeah has has reached out and spoken to him a couple of times he's so invested and dedicated to this club and i think for him it would have been awesome to play in front of his family at adelaide on saturday night as well too so complete team performance there last thing we're going to get to uh just our defense again look we've credited it all year it's been the backbone of our game but we saw that first quarter it was a bit of a shootout four goals to five uh it could have could have easily gone either way but i think that after quarter time we really sort of tightened the screws there and we know that we were obviously getting on the scoreboard but we needed to stop them and charlie cameron threatened to get off on a leash there a little bit but then after quarter time we only allowed an extra five goals for the entire game uh you're looking at five marks inside 50 for the game for brisbane which i think at that point it might have been at half time they only had the one so and that was joe danaher you know early in the first quarter so Credit to our mainstays down back there, along with our young guys there. But May played, you know, a terrific game on on Joey Lever. Again, outstanding game. He's fifteen intercepts, you know, leading the league again. Just doing doing his role and and absolutely, you know, being a leader down back there. And it's amazing to think how young he is. And and now we're sort of really starting to reap these rewards 
of the trade and it's, it's so exciting and obviously such an important part as well too. All right, mate. Well, we've covered the things that we did like. Now let's try and a couple, find a couple of things that we need to work on in our next segment. Pretty pissed off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, man. Well. As I mentioned earlier, there was one one player that really threatened to tear the game away from us, and that was Charlie Cameron. And just his ability to score from balls at ground level, we looked unable to defend that at times, and uh, we left scrambling a little bit, especially when he kicked those three goals in the first quarter. And we know that Michael Hibbert had had that job done in the past and wasn't included in the side. We left Smith in, and yeah, what did you make of? I said it on the podcast. It- needed to happen because I think Hibbo is probably our best shutdown defender especially on a small forward but you know it comes with our whole def- team defense I think we'll just yeah just really lazy on the ground balls especially in the first quarter because he kicked three in the first quarter I'm like oh gosh you know what are we doing and it's been really interesting looking at all the posts on um, social media um, just really not really getting up Joel Smith's back but it's interesting to see different people's perspective on who was actually guarding um, Charlie Cameron at the time. People saying Salem and everything, but we all know Salem's a, a bloke that's, you know, more of a, you know, a player distributor off half back. He's probably not more someone to really lock down someone. He's just more to get to the drop of the ball, et cetera. And, you know, make sure we can actually exit the ball. I, I think it was just, we could just label it as a team defense, but honestly, in, I reckon it would have been better to have Michael Hibbard just completely shut him out of the game. Um, yeah. It's what we'll cry over what we called out for. Um, I mean, but obviously we're not in the, in the sanctum. And it, it's a bit stiff on Joel Smith. Um, like I'm a thing, I think he's very, very good in the air. But um, one thing he does lack is that little bit of nous when it does hit the ground, um, especially with a player like Charlie Cameron. He's you know, probably up there with the top three best small forwards in the comp. Um, so, you know, obviously... Someone's got to be able to shut him out of the game. Um, team defences might not always work against a player like that because he was single-handedly keeping him in the game and keeping him dangerous. Um, he was, yeah. I think Smith did a pretty good job after quarter time. I think it, it was obviously that first quarter, and, and you're right, it wasn't just, um, you know, the, that responsibility wasn't just put on one person. But Smith certainly tightened it after quarter time and I think played really well on him in terms of he's got that, probably got the leg speed over Hibbard. Uh, as you said, Hibbard's got the experience and, and probably knows how to play off him a bit better, but they obviously went with the gamble, I think, as as an option. You know, obviously team first, defense first, but then if he if he gets off the chain like what he did, then they've got that ability to send someone to him. And, and yeah, like he did look threatening still at parts later in the game, but at the end of the day, I think Smith did a pretty good job on him and it's not those five goals aren't, aren't a representation of, of his particular defense there. The other thing I want to talk about quickly, just for our, our things that we need to prove on, second quarter, missed chances. Uh, we easily could have had this game well and truly done by halftime. It's something small to look at, but I mentioned the Jackson back-to-back misses there. We had a few set shots there. I think Fritch had another one in the second quarter there where we really could have had, I think at some point, was it three, four goals, six, or something like that in the second quarter? Four, six in the second quarter, mate. Um, it's, um, yeah, one thing that has hampered us a little bit this year um, I remember a couple of years ago, especially 2018, we were probably one of the most accurate sides here. Probably more so because we kicked all our goals from the goal square out of yeah. that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, set shots can vary at times. And I suppose, you know, that those couple of Jackson misses, I mean, they were like tight. Boundary. They were tight angles, like yeah. And he, he went for drop punt both times. Like, I don't know if he, I don't know. Yeah, just backed himself in, which is like completely un- understandable. But yeah, I'll tell you what, yeah, it would be nice to get a little bit more reward. But to go into halftime with that sort of lead, it was like you know we had we had them by the balls. Like it's we did, yeah. No, that's right. And fourth quarter, we ended up being able to sort of kick away and, and really flex our muscles in that sense. But yeah, I suppose you're not always going to get those chances against good sizes, and especially in finals. So you want to try and take every opportunity you can. My last little thing here is Reese Matheson is he an AFL footballer because I think he's a wasn't really impressed with some of his efforts on the weekend. (laughs) Oh yeah, I am. I am. I've I've left out what I've written here on my notes, (laughs) but I just yeah, he's obviously out there to antagonise people. But just a couple of his efforts, 
off the ball and you know his contest with Max just going for the body without even having any sort of intent for the footy I thought it was uh, yeah not not that impressive and he copped four thousand dollars worth of fines out of it so oh, yeah it's, it's uh it's I'm happy with that so. Well, we now got to award the best performance in our eyes, maybe the underrated performance, maybe somebody that caught our eye that didn't necessarily get the recognition of the media, but we've already had a chat about him today already. I'll let you introduce him, mate. Oh, man, that's to go to Tommy Sparrow. Um, I think, yeah, clearly his best game for the club, first final, and like, like you look at him and Rivers, I think that there was a few moments early where they were a bit jittery, but they took a little bit of time to settle. Um, once they settled, I tell you what, like, I mean, I'm going to, sorry, this is a, this is your award, Tommy, but I really wanted to label this for Rivers as well. His efforts and his smothers and everything, and his defensive efforts, I can save three, four goals a week. Let's go with Tommy. So Tommy's had, he's had 21 touches, plenty of pressure acts, 12 kicks to go with those 21 touches. I just think he's really starting to find his feet in this team. And it's, it's creating problems because he's keeping like a Malcolm. And like a Nathan Jones out of the side, which, you know, they're obviously experienced sides, but if oh, players, but if Tommy Sparrow can keep delivering this sort of a game, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the side. And, um, you know, you spoke before, you know, comparing him to a, to a young, young Viney. I reckon definitely, definitely on there. I reckon he's probably a better, better kick than him too. We get a bit, a bit more yardage with his kick as well. Um, but yeah, he's just real mongrel bastards. I don't, I don't, I don't know, if, know if you've seen his highlights back from his junior age, but he was a pretty pretty bullish type of on-baller. Um, so I actually saw a lot in him and I was surprised. Well, he did debut in round one the year he got drafted, but I'm surprised that, no, I'm not really surprised it's taken so long for him to sort of establish himself, but I knew there was something there and I'm, I'm just glad he's got his, um, got his chance. I know he's had a lot of times as a sub this year and, you know, good on him for sticking at it. Yeah, absolutely. We love to see him in there. And yeah, he's, as I said, been the sub a lot this year, but certainly earning his place and, and performing on the big stage, which is fantastic. All right, Simo, well, we are extremely lucky to have a special guest to join with us to have a bit of a look at the finals week that has just gone and have a bit of a forecast to week two of finals. But the Ages sport reporter, Daniel Cherney, thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you doing? Pleasure to be with you guys. You're going well, thanks. Yourselves? Yeah, you're going good. About as, about as good as we can be in here. So <laughs> are you you in Melbourne, are you? Or are you you're based in Melbourne or whereabouts are you based? based? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we're all under the same umbrella at the moment, <laughs> actively waiting what's uh, what's ahead of us what, from 11 o'clock today. So yeah. find a bit, bit more info. But it's it's great that we've got footy as a, as a distraction. It's been one of those things that unfortunately we can't be there in the crowds, but it's been it's been awesome to, I suppose, still experience it, and especially as D's fans as well, as you could imagine. <laughs> no, very very much so. I'm, uh, so I, I feel... Yeah, it must be bittersweet um, for Melbourne fans at the moment. Um, it's so exciting, but uh, obviously that's that's tinged with the sadness I can imagine. Given um, it's not you know not going to be in Melbourne. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is. We were just chatting about it before. We sort of don't know how to feel. Like honestly, it's a, a bit of uncharted waters for us, I suppose, given the hype and and just the momentum that we're carrying at the moment. But I, I guess we're still finding ways to celebrate it online and. And on the phone and, and then that sort of things or you go out like i was in the supermarket the other day on sunday morning and i reckon i saw about four people at coles or all, all decked out in red and blue including myself so you know it's <laughs> it's nice to see that people are getting you know in the spirit in that sense but yeah obviously you'd love to be there but you know that um that the boys there are still feeling the love and and the club is so that's i suppose as we're doing as much as we can from that sense but uh, but looking at our at our win, what was your what was your reaction from from the D's big win? Did you did you see that coming, or uh, what was your biggest takeaway from Melbourne's win? If we start with that, yeah, I look, I I, I tipped Melbourne. I, I wasn't surprised. I don't th- I don't think it was. Uh, I, th- I thought that was sort of within the range of uh, expected outcomes, so to speak. Um, I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't have been shocked if Brisbane had won. I mean, Brisbane are a very good team. Um, 
but uh, but you know, at the moment Melbourne are a better team and um, probably the best team in it. It has to be said. It's hard. It's hard to. I think it's hard to argue otherwise. On the, on the back of um, on on the back of uh, what we've seen so far this year. Um, so I oh, look. I thought it was just a very professional uh, performance. Um, you know, set up by you know as, as expected, and again, certainly no surprise here. Just more outstanding midfield displays, um, yeah, particularly Oliver and Petraka, uh, but, but also you know Gorn, um, and then sort of the the, the, the sort of second tier midfield at all, most part doing their their bit. Again, Lever and May very strong. The, the forward line stood up. You had sort of enough contributors there. Um, obviously, Fritsch has just continues to con- continues to um, to star. Really, I mean, he's a very very good player, uh, and I think sort of really doesn't get spoken about enough when people look at the at the Melbourne team. Probably because there are so many other great players in that side. Uh, the the one concerning area for me was that Charlie Cameron got off the leash and. I feel like it's a, a bit of a worry, um, especially the fact that you don't have a real out-and-out lockdown small defender uh, in the team at the moment. I mean, Hibbert can sort of play that role when he's there. Uh, obviously, Neville Jenner's historically played it for you, but it doesn't look like he's going to be getting a game. Salem's a good good defender, a good player, a very good player and a good enough defender, but he's not... I don't think he's a... I mean, you might think otherwise, but I don't see him as a... Really lockdown type because he's a very offensive, aggressive player and an excellent one at that. And then Jake Bowie has been solid and, and, and you know very polished. But again, do you really trust him to sort of lock clamp down the player? And I just wonder if Joel Smith, um, who's been pretty good, but uh, since he, since he came back late in the season, but it just does leave the back <clears throat> well, it does leave the back line very tall. Uh, clearly, you're very comfortable with the way Lever and and May have gone, and so should Petty. Um, is that sort of third banana, but um, just that's probably the one, the one area of concern. But otherwise, I thought it was a very professional performance and really all we, we should have expected because you, the thing about Melbourne this year is they've beaten everyone. Uh, well, they, they've beaten anyone, others, yeah, anyone any good. <laughs> the only team, they're <laughs> really the only team, the only team that's no good, I think probably the only team in the league they haven't beaten it, but all this year was Collingwood. Collingwood, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, and that was in strange circumstances. So, you know, there's nothing, I think Michael Gleeson wrote in his column on Monday in the age that there's nothing other than history now, which is against Melbourne. I mean, it's the, the, the list is healthy and unbelievably healthy, given you consider that the calibre and experience of players that are sitting on the outer. Uh, and I thought it was another very solid professional performance. Um, the type you expect of a very, very good team in the finals and, I see no reason why it shouldn't continue from here. Yeah, love it. So we, we speak about Melbourne and touch slightly on Brisbane, but what would be its biggest takeaway from the first week of finals? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, Toby Green's still an idiot. Um, <laughs> it's good for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kick five both times against us this year. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, you, you, you would have been um, up against them potentially in the prelim. Take out. Oh, look, I, I, I thought the of, the of all the four games, I thought the one that played out least like I would have expected was Port and Geelong. Mm. Uh, I think like, I thought we were winning comfortably enough. You know, and it wasn't a thrashing, but it was comfortably enough. This was to be expect was, was certainly you know a, a likely enough outcome. Um, it's one of the Giants um, playing a close game. I don't think it should have been too much of a shock. I mean, the Swans had a better season, but the Giants are sort of playing some pretty good footy towards the end of the year and. Swans had a few out, and just I think Tassie probably promotes as tighter games. And oh, the Bulldogs are, are a class or two above Essendon. So um, even though the dogs have been fading, really, when you look at their respective records, I mean, it shouldn't have been a surprise. Um, but the Port Geelong one was probably the shock, given we know how close you know Geelong obviously within you know a, a Max Gorn converted set shot of finishing top, and Port Adelaide were with you know Port Adelaide. Um, for a fair chunk of the year were outside the top four. And certainly, even when they were inside the top four, they just hadn't seemed to have beaten anyone mm. really until that last round against the Bulldogs um, that they would start, you know, start to beat the teams around them. Um, and I, I just, I thought Port were a very, in some respects, actually a very honest team in that they would, were beating the teams, you know, they, they, they were getting it consistently done against the teams below them. But, but I felt like they were sort of a clear fifth or sixth seed. 
a lot of the and I thought for a lot of you they were, but they've they've just found the form at the right time. Uh, and to be fair to Ken Hinckley, I think he sort of said, you know, this is a work in progress, and he was he seemed to certainly publicly maintained a lot of faith and confidence in in the system. So, um, you know, they they just they were way too good for Geelong. I mean, Aaliyah clearly was magnificent and. Um, was a real thorn in Geelong's side, and, and it was probably amplified by the fact that the Cats didn't have Tom Stewart, who's the most, sort of, most similar player to a leader on the, on the other side. Sorry, um, Port's pressure was excellent. Um, and it was bizarre because the Cats actually won, you know, smashed Port, I think, in the centre clearances. It was, it was remarkable. But um, but other than that, Port were, were by far the dominant side. And Geelong did look, I mean, it gets said every, I think it gets said, it gets said every time Geelong lose a game. They looked slow and they were, you know, you, you do wonder whether they can get back from it. I think they will beat the Giants, but gee, to then get through Melbourne and then win another game, it's it's that's a long road back. So I think that was the most telling game and in terms of takeouts. I think, um, you know, it's always hard to say whether it's it's one team playing particularly well or one team playing particularly poorly. But I think that Port Geelong game was the, was the most interesting result of the weekend even though it probably was the worst, arguably the worst game of the weekend, but it, it was probably, but it was probably the most, yeah, I think it was the most final shaping result. If that makes sense. It does. I think for them to now have a, have a home prelim to play at home and, and really be, you know, a really good spot to, to secure themselves a grand final berth that, that probably none of us six weeks ago would have, would have seen. And, and you're right. Sort of talking about, they were obviously able to be able to turn up wins against teams below them and not able to get teams above them, but it, it really kind of was a, a good measure of where they're at. Like that's that's just where they were, and and, mm-hmm. and like now playing a few sort of well a, a t- couple of top tier sides towards the end of the season and, and getting some real momentum, and and then now looking at a home prelim, it's yeah mm-hmm. they're they're in a very good shape for that, and and obviously they're not going to be playing the grand final at home or at the G and playing away from home might be a little bit of a different story, but everybody's in the same boat, I suppose, at that sense and. I think, yeah, Geelong, as you mentioned, I'm probably a little bit worried about if, if they get up over GWS and I think now with Green not playing, who's arguably like their, their match winner and their, their their leader, really, I'm probably a little bit worried about playing them twice in terms of, you know, Scott is a pretty good coach at being able to sort of see, I don't know if we played all of our cards in round 23, but at the same time, I think they'd be well wary of, of how we beat them and, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't be... Wouldn't mm. be uh, with a lot of experience there for them to go and adjust their game plan to try and you know nullify how we how we comprehensively well really beat them aside from seven or eight minutes in the second quarter there. So I I love uh, the thought because well, GWS beat Geelong without Toby Green last time, and I'm hoping that you know it comes about again. That'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not a, they're not a million miles off um, Geelong. Uh, I mean, you know, clearly, I mean they lost to you guys by kick last week so it's it's it's, a, it's still very very um close in that respect just the other thing actually uh, the other thing with port and port and actually brisbane to an extent um and it, i i think both of them now the grand final uh, those two states i think for the most part over the last two years have been the, the well the clubs in those two states have been the least affected by covid um, I mean, certainly we know victorian clubs have been the most affected or uh, maybe maybe new south wales actually but new south wales and victorian clubs have been most affected. And then the WA clubs, I mean, they had that, um, well, A, they're irrelevant for a final perspective this year. Maybe if they were, maybe if you had West Coast hosted grand final, it would be a different different matter. But Port, I mean, South COVID's barely been a thing in South Australia. I mean, Port have had the odd, um, Port pretty much had a full allotment of home games last year. And I think they had the, they had the that early, they were in the hub in Queensland early on and, and handled it well and got their season away. Um, but really since then, that's been, you know, bar the odd maybe one or two week run away and the game being played on neutral territory. I mean, they were the, the kings of an empty Marvel stadium late this season. Maybe that's how they snuck under the radar. But <laughs> I, I, I think Queensland had a bit of it this year. Like the Lions were actually to get stuffed around for a few patches where they were sort of had, you know, flying back and forth and and, and it wasn't quite ideal. I mean, obviously last year was probably their chance given the Gabba grand final. But I think with Port, if Port don't make the grand final two years in a row, um, having played probably more home games than any other club, I think they they will have really missed a chance. Um, I think this is this is you know if they can't get it done, I don't you know I don't any poor people listen to this podcast. <laughs> pressure on them, but, probably. But, yeah, I don't know. Oh, maybe a few. Sorry, not to no, no. <laughs> not that actually that many port fans have listened or, or port uh, people, but um, I, th- that's not my feeling. Like port have no excuses. That they are they are very fit and. 
um, they're going to get uh, they're uh, they're going to get you know the winner of a, a, a semi final Brisbane and the Dogs, both of whom would have. Yeah, you'd imagine that that's going to be a pretty bruising game. Um, the way those teams Definitely. play, and and they're just they're, they're probably the most. We know how close it was that fourth and fifth. So yeah, um, I think it's it's if Port can't at least make the grand final, and really probably if they don't win the flag, it's a missed chance for them. It's always a missed chance to an extent, but I think they they are um, you know this is as good a chance as they're going to get. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, they're yeah, looking like a formidable opponent at the moment. And yeah, as I said, you, you want to be playing your best footy at this time of the year, and they certainly are. And it's yeah, good for them and good for the competition um, for somebody else to sort of poke their head in, into the race. And you're right, it, it definitely will be a mischance. And <laughs> same, you know, I'm thinking on thinking along the lines of Melbourne. It definitely will be a mischance if uh, if results don't um, fall the way that we would like to. But just quickly going back to Toby Green, isn't it? Obviously, it's mm. one of those things that's overshadowed kind of the weekend of footy really and it's uh yeah unfortunately probably overshadowed some some performances and, and probably gws's performance and win for their ability to hang on um you know in what was a really close game against as you mentioned sydney had a fantastic season but really sort of fell away uh, in that last sort of quarter of the season but he continues to put himself in these really bad circumstances and bad places and then now i mean he's been suspended for three weeks but do you think that's fair enough do you think the afl are really going to look at potentially appealing this i know that you wrote uh in your article about how they found him guilty the terms of contact but it, it should have been a longer sentence like what the six matches or something do you think that they're going to go ahead with this or what's your take on that that's a good question and i think probably by the time this podcast is out we'll know um i saw um they look. They've only yeah. I really don't know. I mean, they've only they've only appealed. I think once that I can remember in recent times the Basher Hawley one. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's for those ones where they think it's a really bad look and just unders that they, they are more likely to appeal. And you know, there is an argument to say that. Like I don't think this this I think Jared Whateley actually was on radio this morning saying that this Toby this idea of a Toby tax is is ridiculous. And I agree. It's not. It's not a Toby tax. First of all, there are plenty of instances where he probably has got less than you know he might have otherwise. Like the Bontempelli one was probably the one that sticks out in my mind. He, a lot of those kung fu kicks, he you know didn't. He, he never got rubbed out for any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, it's not a Toby tax. It's just a bad prior record and a very bad one. That's the way we should be looked. And there's always been a role. There's always been a role for for prior um, prior record to be taken into account in the. the match review and tribunal system to varying degrees. It's changed over the years and you know, it's, it's confusing, but oh, look, it was a, it's a poor look. I, I actually did a bit of um, at a very low level of footy this year. I actually have been doing a bit of um, umpiring the ammos, just um, <laughs> doing twos and, three, twos and threes um, fo- uh, footy um, just for a bit of fun and a run around, um, which is really great fun, but it, it is an issue. Um, Attitudes towards umpires, and I'm, I'm sure it does filter down. And you've got to, you've got to, you know, it's a very important issue in footy, you know, suburban and just for umpire. And the other thing it's got to, I think that we've actually got to remember is that you need to try to attract umpires to the game and make it a, a, a make it a, a welcoming and you know just a, a reasonable environment. And that that doesn't. It's actually in the in the, in the long term interest of football. You know, people bemoan poor stands of umpiring. Well, that might be true, but you're not going to help get better stands of umpiring if you make it an uncomfortable environment for umpires. So, oh, look, it's it's particularly political because it's Toby and it's and it's um, that's a heightened heightened clearly when it's the finals. I would tend to think that Toby, uh, look, I, I don't know, and as I said, we'll know soon. But um, I reckon they might. Um, I actually reckon they will appeal. Um, yeah. But. I don't say I have any huge conviction, and that certainly wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. But uh, if they did, it wouldn't be probably wouldn't be a bad idea um, because, yeah, it's a fa- it's a fascinating one because you know you see all these past players and people and you know saying oh it should be fined. I sort of I get that view, but I think it's just I think it's a bit cheeky and maybe in some instances a bit disingenuous. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, you, you look at you look at that one, but then you look at Lockie Neal as well. Um, yeah. and obviously, there's been a lot of talk around what Lockie Neal did. Um, you know, it's probably more 
pure frustration because he didn't get a free kick for, you know, obviously it was blood flowing from his head, but in the same year as well, like it's a really interesting one. Um, to be honest, I feel like, well, Toby could have easily avoided that based on what I saw. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, there's no room for that in games. And yeah, as a, as an umpire, you want to be, you know, you want to feel safe. Um, I know both footy myself and, you know, you hear some things that are said to the umpire during the game, like, oh, and then sometimes you get that white line fever and everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, for actual physical contact, it's, yeah, it's something needs to be stamped out with that. I reckon the AFL has done the right thing with giving him a suspension. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I think Kingy sort of said it straight up after the on the first crack on Sunday night. And he just said, you just don't touch the umpire. Like, it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. And it, it, as you said, Daniel, it's sort of it's interesting to hear different people's views about, oh, yeah, you should get fined or, you know, we need him in finals for AFL. Like, there's obviously that side of the argument. But at the end of the day, there's kids that are looking up to these players. It, it, it does trickle down to grassroots footy. It, it, it really sets a precedent for all football competitions about what's acceptable and what's not against umpires. And yeah, at the end of the day, you, you just do not make contact with the umpire. Any sort of intentional con- contact needs to be, I think, made a statement of. And I'm glad that the AFL are pushing to that. Like, obviously, they rubbed him out for the end of the season. But, you know, I think that they're doing the right thing if they choose to appeal. To, to rub him out for a few matches next year because mm-hmm. I think it, it really a statement does need to be made and regardless of whether it's Toby or not um yeah he's got his pro history and you're right it's that needs to be taken into account and that's going to come when it when it comes to sentencing of weeks so um yeah we sort of watch this space on on that and uh see how that all unfolds but I know you've got to go but just quickly before yeah head off what are you looking for this weekend in the finals what's what's the biggest thing that you're sort of looking at for week two two semi-finals Oh, when you get down to this stage of the season, I think they're both interesting games in their own right. Um, I think the look. I think I, I certainly could see Geelong really. I wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked if Geelong won very comfortably. I mean, there's an argument. The Giants have just been up for so long, and it's just been a both a claw their way into the finals, and then you know had a, such a tough game last week. Oh, but I'm interested in the game by the same token, and I think there's the extra fascination with well, a how Geelong respond. B Jeremy Cameron against his old side adds a bit more intrigue, and and. You, I think both teams have a lot of um, interesting players. You know, I'm interested to see if Jesse Hogan continues his form. Like, I think that's that's really exciting, especially going back to Perth. So, you know, it's sort of an element there of, of um, extra extra intrigue, I suppose. Uh, and, and the Brisbane Bulldogs game, as I said, I think it's the, they're about as even two as evenly matched top eight seeds sides as there are. We know uh, how close they we're, were. We're pleased level. with where we sit. Um, we understand how we're playing. But we also yeah. want to just take it. They've been really good coming away. Coaches say that a lot. And people, it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. In that time, they've lost four. And if it's if and again, they've had all these home. You know, they've had you know a lot of home final defeats as well. So if it if it's they lose another home final. Um, gee, that'll that's a big setback, and you know they 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 got a lot of their list is not young. Um, you know they're a pretty they're now a pretty seasoned group. Um, I mean they got some good young players. Don't get me wrong, but um, you just wonder how much longer they have. You know Zorko's getting on, and even I mean, Neil's not not too old, but he you know he's getting a bit banged up. Um, <laughs> so you just wonder how much of an elephant. And again, going back to that whole COVID thing, like. These were the, you know, these were these two years. I mean, if that, if, that, if nineteen was probably a bit too early for them, twenty twenty one, like that should be right in the hitting zone. So, but by the same token, the Bulldogs, I mean, their 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 core is younger, so I'm not as concerned if they don't do it this year. And they, the fact they managed to get through um, the elimination final, I think, is is a fair will ease the pressure. But by the same token, you know, that they still have a list that has at times this year looked premiership caliber. So. I think that's probably the more interesting of the games, but, um, but you know they're, they're both they're both interesting, and you, you get to this point of the season, and they should all be interesting. So I was looking forward to it, and with not much else to do in lockdown, I'll be watching it all. All right, well, Daniel, now you got to go, but thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's been great to chat to you and, and to chat footy and, and to get your insights on that. Being you know an insider as a journalism, and and yeah, we uh, yeah would love to see what you're continuing to write and, and doing for the game. And, and hopefully we're in for a, another bumper week of, of finals. And for our sake, let's hope, uh, yeah, D's get up for <laughs> the end of the season. You'll be writing a nice article about how we've ended that 57-year drought. So thanks again. No, it'd be great to see you guys. Uh, congratulations on, on your great work with the show all year. And um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, no, all, all the best because uh, – 
um, would be great. Would be great to see the D's get up on, on so many levels. Awesome. All right, mate. Take care. Thanks, mate. Good on, All right. good on you guys. Take see care, everybody. Bye. All right, Simo, well, we are the podcast for the fans, by the fans, and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. So it's time to hear their say in our next segment, Fugazi. People are only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression? Can you walk <laughs> no, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. So, biggest talking points coming out of that Brisbane qualifying final win. Who have we got there first? First one comes in from Rodney Davis. So, do we want to play GWS or Geelong again in a prelim? This is a great talking point, and it'll be interesting to hear your th- thoughts straight off the mind. For me, it's GWS. Um, with a Toby Green-less GWS is amazing the thought of, um, knowing that Toby Green kicked, I'm pretty sure, five in both games against us. Um, Geelong's an interesting one because um, I think they'd probably ploy the tactic of going a little bit quicker potentially against us. Um, obviously, you know, they they had one really good quarter against us and it was just a lapse in our defence. So, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one, but I reckon GWS. But although if GWS win, they're going to be on a high, especially they've been on a high for about four or five weeks. Um, they're, they're coming right. They're cherry ripe at the right time. Um, obviously, are, but... Um, Toby Green and there's to be honest they've still got a lot of injuries which is really really surprising to see them do so well they've just got blokes popping up left right and centre that are just you know playing out of their skin Jesse Hogan Cup nonetheless <laughs> it could be you imagine he'll yeah. probably, probably play for us still I hope yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, you're right there. I think I sort of mentioned with Daniel before about how I'd probably be, yeah, a little bit worried about, not worried, but in terms of I think Geelong obviously wouldn't be coming against us with the same game plan. They'd be certainly look to adjust and, exactly. and see how they can do things differently because for the majority of that game, we were competitive, if not much better than them, um, aside from that little period of, of time in the second quarter. So I think, yeah, you're right, GWS in terms of probably experience and everything like that, but... Probably. Uh, time will tell, but we're, we're probably all thinking that Geelong gets over them pretty comfortably this weekend. Next one we got from Mick Mole, loyal listener. Mick uh, says, Petrarca, Oliver, A and B, Viney. They were elite winning the contested footy. Big Maxi dominated the aerial contests around the defensive structures and personnel played a blinder. All our young kids have had a sensational year. They give their all every week. Fantastic to give them an opportunity to play their first final, and I'm sure they will all learn and grow better for that experience. You can't get better experience than winning than the winning experience in finals. Go D's, PS, Charlie Cameron, Lockie Neal are top quality footy players. Without them, we would have smashed the line. So, yeah, there's a lot to digest there, but it pretty much reciprocates a lot of what we already said in terms of, I think, we know what our big stars can do. It's great to see our supporting cast, especially those young kids, have such an impact and, and kind of, yeah, really getting blooded into finals and, and and doing performing really well on the big stage and it's a really promising sign for the day's youth and and years to come we know that this is not just a one-year flag tilt this is the start of something and we know that we're going to be a team to beat uh for yeah for a period of years i think and i think we can all sort of feel confident with that thanks mick exactly thanks mick um next one comes in from justin randall uh anyone else feel like t mac is going to go huge in perth well <laughs> I, I think of that game was it 2017 17, yeah, I think posted where a few weeks ago that was a bold yeah. tom mcdonald who when he kicked five against the eagles that, that yeah. game that was unreal that was, oh yeah just that that win was huge because i remember we had a bit of a hoodoo over there for a while yeah um, it was the first time to get up over there uh, I think he's, yeah, Oregon is due. Um, obviously, had his, you know, his you know, back soreness for a few weeks. And, you know, hopefully, you know, he's got the meat diet continuously going. I think I saw a, <laughs> a post of Maxi stitching him up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Team Max, you know, primed and ready to go for for some Perth footy. Um, you know, I don't think he goes out of the side or anything. No, um, I think no, it's I can't say that. valuable to our side. Even though he had, you know, he only had like four or five touches on the weekend. He, essentially played a bit of a mare but to me I, I think he was just playing a role didn't want to get didn't want um brisbane to intercept um especially from a harris andrews perspective but yeah um yeah he definitely who played definitely, a very poor game by his standards and i know yeah, he's coming there's, off injury. There's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of talk on sen um saying that he just looks disinterested he does um, his body language is pretty um, pretty gross i reckon yeah as a, as a, as a yeah, leader of that, that club 
as a yeah, leader especially of that when, club. When there was a free kick against Fritch, he was um yeah, he was having a bit to mm. say and getting a bit sooky, but um yeah, it'd be awesome to see T Mac return to some uh to his form that he you know, obviously played through for most most of the home and away season and you know, him him being back in his best form is just going to pose a problem for either the Geelong or the GWS defenders. Yeah, no, that's right. And and as we mentioned, we know that whoever plays us in the prelim are going to have a bit of a, a plan of attack for Bailey. And we think that hopefully that opens up some opportunities for either T-Mac or Benny Brown to sort of kick a bag as well too. We've got that, that arsenal of weapons down there now and it's starting to sort of really find some form. So... Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to replicate his, uh, his his amazing goal from that game against West Coast, but we know that, yeah, Perth might be he might enjoy the sunshine over there. So, nah, awesome. Thanks for that, Justin. All right, mate. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for another week. It's been, yeah, another huge week of footy. First finals win and now booking ourselves a prelim. It's, we get the week off, which is, uh, yeah, <laughs> a bit strange, but it'd be nice to just sit back and enjoy couple of finals and, and not have to worry about us play, I suppose. And as much as I'm sure we'll be donning the red and blue all week, um, yeah, yeah it'd be nice to sort of have a week off. Yeah, it'd be nice It'd be nice seeing GWS and Geelong just beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> obviously. Hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully. I mean, there's some aging, <laughs> aging players in both of those teams. So, yeah, seeing them, you know, walking walking a little bit wounded would be nice. Um, yeah. Obviously, GWS are w- wounded enough as it is. Um you know, Geelong, you know, more their age and experience. I think, you know, them going back to back to back, um, you know, will tell on the body. But, you know, finals footy brings out a new new breed of player. Um, you know, there's a new intensity. Um, like you saw with our boy Jack Viney, he's a he's a final specialist, mate. He's he's a different kettle of fish in the finals footy. Um, I, I don't know. He's, he's one that we've labelled the last couple of weeks. He's just really... You know, he's flexing the muscles again. I think he's, you know, really, he was really, he looked really comfortable out there on um, Saturday night. He he looked like he was back to his best. And yeah, he was posing posing a bit of uh, bit of problems for the other team, which was bloody good to see. Yeah, he's uh, performing when it counts. And we know that he bleeds red and blue. And yeah, a huge part of our side. So thanks to all our loyal listeners don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on spotify apple or google or your favorite podcast platforms we are on twitter at a to detail remember the double e facebook or instagram you can shoot us an email at attention to detail pod at gmail.com huge thanks to our sponsors and hop hand brewing a huge thanks to daniel tuning for j- jumping on today from the age uh who gave us a yeah, really great chat about the finals so far and what to look forward to simo Thanks again, mate. It's been a good weekend and, uh, yeah, looking forward to just, yeah, taking taking a step back and just enjoying footy this weekend in preparation for what's going to be a huge week in two weeks' time. 100%. And Dees fans, make sure you get out in the, you know, obviously within your, your 5K if you're living in Melbourne, but, you know, try and get out and enjoy the sunshine. Obviously, you know, today's Wednesday um, recording, you know, probably come out either today or tomorrow. So, yeah, it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow, so make sure you get out in the sun and you know really showcase the D's colours and you know wear them with pride. Give them hell. <laughs> like that one. All right, thanks everyone. Go D's.